Hey, my friends, thanks for joining me for this episode of Real Live Talk. I'm excited that you're here to check out this conversation with my friend, Matt Boykin. Matt is the lead singer of the Alabama-based metalcore band, After Dusk. You can check out their music on Spotify, Apple Music, pretty much anywhere that you can find music on the internet these days, as well as at their website, afterduskmusic.com. If you're not into the heavy music, the metal, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Matt has another project called Stress and Espresso, which is more of an acoustic style of music, kind of got that coffee shop sort of a vibe to it. It's really uh, just beautiful music, and uh, I think you'll really, really enjoy it. I would encourage you to check that out. Matt is a great musician. He has a beautiful voice, and uh, he also has a scary voice. So <laughs> so if you're listening to, to After Dusk, Matt will do vocals that are both screaming vocals as well as really uh, clean singing vocals. And uh, again, if you're not into that sort of thing, you can check out Stress and Espresso as well on Spotify and uh, on YouTube and different places. And uh, it's got that very clean um, acoustic sort of feel to it and uh, I really really think that you'll enjoy it it'll help you to mellow out and it'll be a good time in this conversation Matt and I talked about music of course we also talked about relationships we talked about God we talked about a bunch of things that uh, I think you will enjoy I pray that the conversation blesses you or challenges you in some way if you get anything out of it I would love to hear from you whether it's positive or negative uh, if you would also consider subscribing sharing or leaving a review that would mean the world to me so thanks so much again for being here. Now let's uh, go ahead and jump into the conversation. All right, we're rolling. All right, well, uh, cheers, buddy. Cheers. <laughs> thanks for the coffee, man. Yeah, man, y'all have no idea what we went through to make this happen today. <laughs> that was the longest troubleshoot of technical difficulties I think I've ever been a part of. It very I've had well my fair share have been on my this show. Fault, but. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and crack this open. It's yeah. <laughs> yeah, a good... Uh, uh, but it's good to see you, man. It's been, other than the last couple hours where we were trying to figure out audio problems, it's yeah. been a while. It been has like probably years. at least four and a half. It's been four, I think. A little over four. You were not married last time I saw no, you. No, I wasn't sure. married. I was with the same girl, though. You, know? you were. Going on 11 years now with the same woman. Oh, dude, so that's legit. It really is, man. It feels great. That's awesome. So, like, how does it feel to be an adult? Uh, honestly, I love it. All, like I'm surrounded by people that are constantly, man, I wish I was a kid again and I miss how it was. And I was like, no, like I do not miss being a kid at all. I, I love having the ability to turn life into whatever I want it. Cause I kind of felt like uh, school was a prison. <laughs> can't go anywhere when you want to, can't do anything. I had plans when I was a kid. Other kids were just like, I want to play video games. Like I yeah. want to do that too. But I got like a whole life I want to build for myself and now I can actually chase that. So I love being an adult. <laughs> oh yeah, man. That's awesome. Do you feel like an adult though? Like, let's be honest. Do you feel grown up yet or do you kind of feel, well, actually I, I know I'm probably, I know I'm older than you, but mm -hmm. how, how old are you? 28. Oh, you're 28. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I'm 35, right? Am I 35? Denise? <laughs> yeah, I'm 35. I'm I'll at be that 36 age now where I have month. to question it too. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. It doesn't really matter at this point, especially right. once you get past 30. It's just kind of like, yeah. But like I say this all the time, like I don't really feel like, I don't know at what point I'm going to start to feel like an adult. Like I know I'm an adult and, and, and I recognize that there are things that like I have to do sometimes where right. I feel like, oh, I'm doing adult stuff. Like I'm right. paying tax or, you know, I'm, I'm filing my taxes and stuff like that. But you have to do that when you're 18. You know what I mean? Like you still right. have to do that stuff. So I don't know. But we right. have our third child on the way. 
and I I legitimately still like I don't feel a whole lot different than I did when I'm 20 as far as like my my mindset and mentality. Do you have any of that going on or no, man? I mean, I really it's so so funny. I actually um me and my wife went to go see a lecture by Jordan Peterson. Like uh, love Jordan Peterson. Me too. He's he's a great guy. But we went and saw him in Pensacola like two or three weeks ago, and he uh, talked on one of the rules in his book is uh pick one thing and. I can't remember the exact like wording he used, but it's basically try choosing one thing in life and get really good at it or pick one goal and chase it for a long time mm-hmm. and basically um, just like grow as you're chasing this goal. And I was like, as I was watching his lecture, I was like, man, I love that. And I feel like my life is an example of how true that is because in every aspect of my life, that's what I've, I've done for since I was 14. I remember being in my bedroom the moment where I was like, okay, I know what I want to do with my life. I want to be a musician. And I don't know anything about how that works. I couldn't even play an instrument. Wow. I didn't know I could sing either. I was like, I just know that this is what I want to do with my life. And I'm about to devote everything I have to that. That's like where my main interest is. And so I just made it a goal. And over the course of, you know, from then till now, a decade and a half, that's all I've done. But then also same thing with like my marriage. Like whenever I was with, uh, when me and Taylor first got together, I had been, you know, it's high school, so it's mm-hmm. different than when you're an adult sure. viewing relationships. But even then, I was like, all right, I'm not here to, you know, to to fool around. Like, if yeah. I'm going to be in a relationship with someone, I want it to be, you know, a serious thing. And But I also want it to be fulfilling. And, like, I, I knew exactly what I wanted. And after working on a relationship for 10, 11 years, like, every part of my life is, like, I've stuck with that thing. Yeah. Gotten better at it and developed. And I'm in a really good place now. So, yeah, that uh, rule spoke to me a lot. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Congratulations. Thanks, dude. (laughs) (laughs) I definitely had a lot of that same stuff going on when I met Denise, who, of course, is now my wife. We met in Bible college. We met in our freshman year. And it just, something clicked. I mean, we, we became friends really, really fast. We became really good friends to the point that I considered her my best friend, Yes. like, really quick. And we knew we wanted to start dating each other, but we were also in this place where there was a rule at our Bible college. You mm-hmm. couldn't date anybody for the first semester. Right. And so we waited till the second semester, but then we didn't want to be all like, like, okay, day one of spring semester, like, let's, let's, let's start dating. You right. know I mean? Like we wanted to kind of right. let it marinate a little bit longer. And uh, we really did care. Like we wanted to make sure our, our leadership at the school was on board. We really respected right. you know, them and we weren't just trying to like kind of toe the line as far as relationships go because we knew even then like before we even started dating which wasn't until it was march 27th i remember because it was easter i I called her dad who uh i I had to denise wrote out what to say well i told because i had to talk to her parents or i decided i wanted to talk to her parents and kind of get their blessing yeah to start dating her and uh they didn't speak english and so, and I didn't speak Spanish at that time. And so I kind of wrote out for Denise what I wanted to say. And then she yeah. translated it into Spanish. And then when I called her dad, I was like reading this thing in Spanish. And I'm sure I was pronouncing stuff horribly. That's and adorable. All that kind of <laughs> 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 Looking back, it was pretty adorable. Uh, we were at my grandma's house at the time. It, it was, it was, it was fun. It was fun. Nice. But uh, I don't remember why I brought that up. But uh, yeah, so, but even then... Like before that, before we even started officially dating, I already knew she was my wife. Right. Um, I'm pretty sure she knew I was her husband, right? 
<laughs> she's she's sitting across from me right now. I'm waiting for that approval. She might have had some doubts. Were there doubts? No, we're good. So yeah, but we already knew, and it was just basically, let's continue to get to know each other. Let's yeah. finish college. Like let's do you know what yeah. we're doing. Let's focus on that and not like you know rush into things. But we knew. Right. I mean, we and so we dated for a few years just as like a like protocol or whatever, right. whatever you want to call it, but. That was one area that did click really, really quickly um, for us. But right, that's awesome. That's pretty that. similar to, to me and Taylor's story. Like one thing though about Taylor that kind of I was very attracted to is that she's definitely always been far more mature beyond her years. And when I was a kid, now I'm not gonna say like so was I, but like in my perspective, I was like very few kids know their kids, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I even when I was like 18, I was like. I've had a lot of mentors such as my grandfather and uh, like old youth pastors that like had a large influence on me and they kind of helped me realize, like, okay, I will probably be an entirely different person next year or at at least in the next like three years. But you, you develop and change as an individual, like every year of your life and you look back and you go, wow, I was dumb. Or like, you think like, (laughs) wow, I don't think like that at all anymore. And so even as a kid, I was like, all right, I'm not, I acknowledge that that's going to be a thing. And so I would try to, uh, you know, look towards the future. And when it came to Taylor, I was like, okay, thank God. There's already like 20 things that every other person my age is like waving red flags around, you know, like they're in a dang parade and <laughs> she doesn't have any of those. <laughs> so uh, we started dating and we felt that way pretty quickly too, where we were like, you know, really close and, and talking about, well, we weren't talking about marriage, but we knew that we, we, we felt that mm-hmm. way. But we also knew like, well, who knows in a couple of years we you know like when we get comfortable around each other and you're not like doing your trying, hair like, trying and doing yeah. your hair and makeup and ironing your clothes yeah, every time you're around me. each other yeah, yeah like you know things could start to fall apart but we we didn't think that would happen but then again we also acknowledge no one thinks mm. that will happen no well, one does so we were very careful and cautious and we did the same thing where we were like you know a lot of people were like by year four why aren't you guys married? You've been together for, for four years. And we're like, well, I'm still trying to figure out like my career thing. And she's still in college. Like I would really hate for us to be like, let's do it because we've been together for four years since high school. And then be like, cool, we're married and living with our parents now. Yeah. You know, that's, that sucks. You know? <laughs> so we, we got married on year eight. <laughs> I, d- I would never suggest to anyone that that's the year you sure. should do what we did. But like, it was what was right for us for sure. Yeah. No, that's awesome. That's awesome. And I, and I think that, uh, well, obviously it worked because you're, you're here, you're married. You've been married for a couple of years? Yeah, two, a little over two years. Now. Okay. Yep. Awesome, man. Congratulations. And like, obviously that path has worked for you. And that, that was one of the things that we definitely noticed at w- when we were kind of in that Bible college, like ministry sort of bubble atmosphere yeah. of like, uh, people doing it a certain way, mm-hmm. like people going about their relationships a certain way and kind of seeing that and like, you know, I get that you kind of, you can start to feel that pressure, you know, you right. can start to feel the pressure of, well, this is how everybody's doing it. So maybe we're doing something wrong because we're not doing it right. that way. And even like, you know, like we started dating and there were people, friends of ours, lots of several people, fr- couples that we knew that we were friends with, where they started dating after us and got married before us and yeah, like stuff like that. And so you start too. to look around and you're like, uh, like what are we doing something wrong here? And right. you can kind of start to feel that pressure until you kind of pull back the perspective and recognize, 
hold on, like I'm not them, they're not me. That's right. their path. That's where they are. But that doesn't mean that it's right and that what I'm doing is right. wrong. And I think that in really all aspects of life, that that right. kind of thing is really essential to recognize that you're on your own path, your own stories being written and to not do that comparison game because that yeah. can get really destructive depending on you know what you're talking about. I think people did that to, to me and Taylor. Like they would compare us to other people without us even having to do it. And that's why when they would ask like, why are you guys married yet? You're on year five or, or year six. And we would just be like, you know, we, we want to get married and that is something mm -hmm. that is definitely a goal, but like we want to set our marriage up for success and we sure. feel like we would be setting it up for failure if we did it at this point in our lives, not because anything is wrong with our relationship, but we're just not positioned financially or, you know, give it, give the reason. But we were, yeah, yeah. we just wanted to set it up for success and not, uh, rush into it because it wasn't like, Oh, we don't know each other. That was one thing I always do encourage people to do is if you, if you want to know that the person is right for you, a lot of people, nothing against people that got married in year one. But to me, I'm sure. like, I usually say, I think coming up to three years is pretty much the perfect time because within three years, most people will experience a death in the family. Most people will experience uh, a complete change of your daily routine, such as a new job or graduating wow. from college. They will experience life change. And a lot of times relationships can't stand that, that change. Like, wow. so if you can really go through a stage of your life and still be with that person and you know that they will be there for you through that, they're here for the good and the bad. Wow. We take that vow really for granted, the whole like in sickness and in health. Hmm. But like I remind my wife that all the time, like if things get really bad and she starts to feel like, you know, like she's personally going through something that's a burden on me or like vice versa. I remind her like, Hey, stop that. I, I told yeah. you at the altar in sickness and in health. And I really meant that. Yeah. Like it's actually for me an honor to be there with her through her struggles. It's not a burden, you mm -hmm. know? And I feel like to anybody who's in a marriage or relationship, if it's a burden to go through those struggles with them, then maybe it wasn't right, but <laughs> that's just me, you know? Wow. That's really good wisdom for real. Cause as you're saying that I'm thinking back and that's exactly what happened with, with Denise and I mm -hmm. in our relationship during that time when we were in that dating phase, uh, my father passed away. Mm -hmm. Um, during that time we were in that dating phase. I mean, to be honest with you, we had a lot of, we had a lot of struggles because we had this long distance relationship going on where she was in Mexico right. and I was in America for a, a good portion of our time together. So mm -hmm. we were at, together in Bible college. Uh, but then she did a couple semesters, right? Was, I don't know, one, at least one or two, I think a couple semesters that she did uh, from home that yeah. she did by correspondence. Right. And we weren't together and we were still dating. And that was tough. Like it definitely tested our relationship a lot. Right. And when we did have the times when we were uh, together and spending, you know, lots of time with each other, we fought a lot. Like we had a lot of things that came up because there was all this like tension. There were cultural differences. There right. were language, even language barriers to an extent. Mm -hmm. Her English was was amazing. But the way that I would say things mm -hmm. would sometimes come off to her as rude or something right. like that. And I didn't know you it. Didn't mean it that yeah, way. Yeah, exactly. Right. But it was just differences of that sort of language, cultural kind of a thing where we took things the wrong way sometimes. We, for, for, and it, it just, it, it built up tension 
and put pressure on the relationship to where we were kind of yeah like at each other's throats about things at certain times not, i'm not talking about our the entire time we were together but there were definitely we saw each other's ugly parts for right. sure and we saw each we our worst fights happened before we got married which yeah. I, I don't think is probably most people's experience right but you know there was no there wasn't this thing of like oh now you're married you're going to really find out who that person is uh, not in a negative way i can right. say like we uh, of course we've had our own struggles and everything but i think the the worst fights that we had mm -hmm. we had kind of gotten them out of the way and so it, what that did for me was it actually made me feel like we're this isn't going to work like if we're fighting now and we're going through this now right. we're not there's no way we can be together like we can't get married like i was kind of having that going on mm -hmm. in my mind and i had a uh, well we both we had a a, a mentor in Bible college who we, we were kind of expressing those things to him and he was like well I'm actually really happy to hear you say that because um, you know if you've gone through what you've gone through like this and mm -hmm. you're still together you're remaining loyal to each other there's still love there you know that tells me that you actually have what it takes to make it right and um, it's been it's been good man it's been it's been really really good and I'm not just saying That's that because awesome. my wife is in the room but I, I but I, anyway, I think that that's really good wisdom you what you said. You? <laughs> <laughs> and again, not to put anybody in that box of it's got to be three years or it's got to be this amount right, of time. It's different for everybody. But sure. Right. But I think that that is just really, really sound wisdom. Giving yourself time to grow together, to see life changes take place, especially when you're young. Right. They say that like your frontal lobe isn't fully developed until yeah, you're like definitely. 25, definitely right. early 20s and stuff like that. And we got people having and kids and getting married at like 19. And I'm like, oh sure. my goodness. For <laughs> sure. And thank God when it works out. Right. Thank God when it works out for anybody. I mean, I, I, we yeah. say that where it's like, there's probably some 19 year olds that have great marriage right sure. now. And they're like, how sure. dare you? Meanwhile, we've all met that 40 year old person where we're like, your life's a mess. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. So it doesn't not it, wisdom doesn't always come with time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true, too. <laughs> so, There's balance in everything that we're right. saying. But. I think it comes with what, what, what experiences that life throws at you. And sometimes uh, people are unfortunately not not given the right experiences, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. You know, I yeah. think all the hard stuff that we deal with are, are usually blessings in disguise because uh, people with mm -hmm. extremely extremely easy lives or people without mentors who have at least seen a thing or two tend to, you know, struggle a bit. I think yeah. that's just what I've seen in my experience anyway. Yeah. Yeah. For real, man. Well, um, thank you for, again, for, for coming here and doing this with me. We even yeah, coordinated. We're like wearing the same we thing. Did, man, you could join my band. <laughs> this is what this, you know, like we get picked on by the local scene or like, Oh, you know, it's after dusk. If they're all is just wearing black, all of them just straight black. And we're like, yeah, you know, it's just, <laughs> dude, even down are. to the black ring, dude, and I, everything. That's like one of my favorite parts about the married thing is now I get this black ring. It's just the, the dopest accessory. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm married and it looks cool, you know? Yeah, exactly. No, it's awesome. Uh, <laughs> well, so after dusk, man, let's let's talk. I, I thought about, well, I started to see stuff online on Facebook and I'd been kind of noticing things for a while. Again, you and I hadn't really had a ton of contact, maybe on being on a similar thread on Facebook right. here and there, right. you know, laughing at somebody's comment or something like that, but nothing substantial. Right. And uh, more recently, I started to, you know, see you guys posting 
um, some things about your band and listening, able to check out uh, your music and just honestly really blown away. Thank you, by, man. I appreciate by that. What, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I mean it. I'm not just saying that. Uh, <laughs> uh, but and, and I've actually like I've showed it to some people. I've been like, yo, like, what do you think about this? Like, mm-hmm. I'm like, I know this guy. He's he, we used to work together. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, that that whole thing. And I was like, dude, I got to get this guy in the podcast mm-hmm. and just talk about um, talk about the band, talk about the music, talk about you know, our love for Jesus, talk about, yeah, you know, whatever, whatever it is that comes up. But again, I do appreciate you for taking the time and yeah, man. sitting down with me. I was actually, uh, dude, this is the weirdest thing. So like, uh, for those that don't know, we, we, we said we had technical difficulties earlier. And uh, so I had to run to my studio to pick up a piece of gear that I thought might help. It didn't, it, but I went to go get the piece of gear. And I realized when I got in the car, I was like, well, I have a minute and I hadn't had an opportunity to see your interview with Chad Johnson yet. So I was like, sweet, I'll just start listening to that on the way there. And um, this is the weirdest thing. I, I have to get it to a stop, a stoplight. And Chad, during the interview, he mentions that he was he was telling a story, and he was like, "I hit the horn of my Honda CRV three or yep. something like that, yep. whatever the car was he, he was driving." And I, he, as he said that, I had just looked up, and the car in front of me had like the spare tire on the back of the car, and it was the big logo of the exact car he said. So I read that as he said it, and I was like. Whoa, that's dope. <laughs> weird. I don't, I've never even seen one of those cars before, and it's all of a sudden so very weird. <laughs> Sorry, it must tangent. mean something. It's got to mean something. <laughs> Let's analyze this, or it means nothing at all. And it I'm could, just a weirdo. <laughs> it could mean zero. It could mean lot. It could mean that you're in the right place at the right time. Exactly. Mean that. That's actually really funny. Funny that uh, I didn't even mean to take it there or that, but um. So we're releasing an EP, another EP. We have four coming out this year, actually. Wow. We've already released one. The next one comes out on the 22nd. And we have a song on the uh, EP called uh, uh, Think Outside Your Head. And uh, there's actually like a couple songs on the record that speak on this. But I found that, uh, interestingly enough, we were talking about like Christian culture and everything. And uh, you ever met like one of those people where like everything that happens was like a... Like a a move of the hand of God, <laughs> you know, like and I always, yes. I always tell this story. I won't say who I have a friend and his mother and I was, I witnessed this. His mother told us the story of how that morning she went to Walmart and she was in a big hurry and God procured a parking spot at the very front of the Walmart <laughs> so she could get her groceries on time. It and, was like the Red Sea parting. Right, just, right. And I yeah. thought, I was like, it's good to be grateful, but that might not be healthy because mm-hmm. For your prayer to get home on time, that was answered. There's a kid starving in Africa who's praying real hard right now. So, <laughs> so I don't know, but we wrote a song kind of about that where the, the whole point of the song is like take into consideration that m- m- some things might just happen because that was the roll of the dice. And you might be over-spiritualizing parts of your life, yeah. which when you do that, you are almost... Um, I don't know how to explain it. You're taking the parts of your life that really might be spirit, like uh, spiritual, um, something important, mm-hmm. and you're um, making it less than because everything you you do and see is just like over spiritualized, and so yeah. you won't actually recognize where God's hand is intervening if you think it's in everything. <laughs> you know, like yeah. I dropped my phone earlier, and maybe the crack on the lens now will if, affect me somehow later. Yeah, you know that was orchestrated by God. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, bro. Yeah, no, that's that's crazy. This this I feel like this is about to get deep. Yeah. So we we can definitely over spiritualize stuff to that point, mm-hmm. and you can start to 
it can actually become, as you said, really unhealthy to the point where you you can kind of feel like God is controlling you. Right. Where you can start to feel like everything is kind of out of your hands and everything is kind of yeah. this thing where, yeah, if you start to feel like everything means something, then what that actually does is it sets you up to the to the place where things happen that you then have no way of explaining. Right. So, like, people will say, well, you know, how can God allow, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. children to be starving in right. Africa or in our own backyard or, you know, right. how can these tragic things happen? How can COVID happen? How can right. all these different things happen in the world where there's tragedy all around us if there's a God, you know, if right. there's a God who's who loves us and if right. there's a God who's powerful and and all this. And uh, I think that we and we can end up in a in a really unhealthy place and essentially setting ourselves up for, right. for failure with things that we just can't explain. And, right. and there's certain things that I just, uh, you know, I'm kind of, there's things that I would say I'm baffled by. Mm-hmm. Like, how does that happen? Like just yesterday I saw a post and I was reading about this um, pastor couple in I think New Mexico or somewhere and they have three children. Um, well, they had three children. They were, all five of them were in a car and horrific accident happened mom and dad both killed oh, and no. all three children survived oh man and uh they were all in the back seat and thankfully the children survived but now they they have both of their parents are gone right and we're talking about parents that are in ministry that love the lord and it was just like a very you know tragic thing and you say i had a moment where i was like and it wasn't at all like blaming god for anything like not not even a little bit but it right. but it was this question in my mind like how like how does that happen? Like, yeah. why does that happen? And we all go through life with those questions of why and how different things happen. And Jesus even said that it's not my will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Right. What that tells me is that there's things happening all around us that are not the will of God. Right, exactly. There's all kinds of tragic things happening in life that are not God's will. God's mm-hmm. not... Um, bringing destruction into your life. God's not doing those things. Right. And when we start to, when we go down that sort of unhealthy path and we start to think, oh, well, it must be God's will. If it happened, it must be God's will. Yeah, I always, That's, growing up, I absolutely hated, even as a teenager, because I heard it in church a lot, everything happens for a reason. And exactly, a lot of times yeah. people would say that to comfort you, like, oh, you're going through this hard thing, but it's happening for a reason and you'll understand it later. I hated that because I was like, it might not though. Because I'm yeah. not saying that God can't take a bad situation and use it for the good later. Hundred percent. But yeah. it doesn't always mean that He meant that He like said, "I'm gonna make that <laughs> yeah. thing like mm-hmm. like I'm gonna make this car crash that your loved one perished in and turn it into something great later." Right. No, that's a, that's just a tragedy. Exactly. Things sometimes things just happen. Number one, I think it's kind of narcissistic to attribute like the smallest little blessing to just like God being like, "Hold the phone, I'll deal with Al Qaeda later." <laughs> Right now, I got to make sure you get, you know, like you get your Starbucks today or whatever, like I think, or whatever horrible things going on. Like, I think it's kind of narcissistic of us, but then it also, when bad things happen, you can't explain it because that too has to be God. So I think that that's just, uh, I think it's, it's something unhealthy that we kind of need to move away from because it strips you of your free will. If everything happens for a reason, it's like, okay, do you actually believe that some people die without salvation? Because I don't think that that happens for a reason. Mm. I've actually thought about this and we keep going to like tragedy of like a car crash or whatever, but it works. You hear about like 
someone who perished in a car crash and then you find out, oh, they were hit by a drunk driver. Right. You would never jump to the conclusion of why would God choose to have that kid perish in the car crash? What you should jump to is, no, that there was an individual who was yeah. very irresponsible and that was on, that's on them. Mm-hmm. Now, it really, it really is a tragedy that other people pay for others' mistakes Absolutely. sometimes. Sometimes that person doesn't even pay for the mistake. It's a complete different person. But the decisions they made dictated what happened in the world. And then we as spectators who weren't involved with that incident, this time anyway, we, ha- we also get a choice of how do we react to it? How do we interact with God? How do we, you know, commentate on it to the public or whatever, you know, everyone gets to a choice. And sometimes when the dice are rolled, they don't roll in your favor. And sometimes they really do. Um, But yeah, you still get a choice on how to react to that. Some people have it really, really good and they still don't react to it well. And Mm. it just causes destruction amongst everyone around them. Wow. So... Yeah, and I, that's something that you hear a lot, like at funerals, and yeah. you do hear it a lot when you're dealing with a tragic kind of situation where, <sighs> this is an example that we use all the time, but you know, being at a funeral, and I don't know if anyone listening's ever ever heard this before, but I certainly have, where someone will say something like, well, God took him. Yeah. Somebody will say, well, God needed him more in heaven. God needed her more yeah. in heaven, so they took him well, Yeah. Okay, so that person had to get shot up. Right, right, or whatever, get, yeah, you know, whatever could have happened. If God really needed them, like, God, you know, there's we're, there's examples in the Bible of people that God took. Yeah. Like, there's a couple examples. Yeah, uh, it, but, it, you know what I mean? Like, there's an, ex- yeah. there's an example of, well, you know, there's an example of Elijah being called up caught up into yeah. heaven and, and in, in this whirlwind and all that right. there's Enoch walking with God and he was not for the Lord took him like we have a couple of very specific examples very that few, we could yeah. say that you know that's that's essentially what happened right God didn't uh you know send somebody to take them out right. so that they could get to heaven you know and so yeah I think we for sure need to rethink some things I think that there's something very very real that happens where a lot of things are just said, cliche things are said often as a means to try to comfort somebody. Yeah. And there's these things that I think that we, we almost, I don't want to say need, uh, we think that we need in order to feel okay, again, about circumstances that we are either out of our control mm-hmm. or that we don't know how to properly explain. Right. And I, I think that there's something very real about living with some mystery in life you know like it's okay god is so much bigger than us there are things about this life that he's given to us there's some things about like all kinds of things that we will never fully understand this side of eternity but being able to i think it comes down to trusting god enough that even with things that we can't understand to not put the blame on him for like why this bad thing happened to me but also at the same time not blaming him for not intervening on my behalf or not you know what i mean not not allowing my faith to be shaken there's times where you know i mean we believe in you know praying for the sick we believe like we've seen miracles happen like many many times Mm -hmm. but there's times when we pray for people and they get better there's times we pray for people and they don't get better and it's like well what do you do with that right if you allow what didn't happen to reshape your theology and your view of who God is, then you weren't really starting from the right foundation in the right. first place, you know? And, right. and it's just, again, I think we, when we 
try to approach things from a religious level of thinking, we can set ourselves up for, right. you know, hurt and pain because we don't, again, it becomes this thing where we don't know how to explain what happened. Right, right. And I think that, that when it comes to, to tragedy mm -hmm. and things like that, we, we get kind of self-centered and, and narcissistic because I'm, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. I don't know if y'all know this. Don't worry, I won't tell anybody. None of us are getting out of the here alive. None of us. Not a single one of us. Like the idea that like, oh, God just called him up and or God like, it, it's fluff to make loved ones feel better. I get that. But it's also kind of bad in the sense that people truly believe that sometimes. And it's like, he, God doesn't need, he, you're going to end up there anyway. Like you're, if, if he, it's not a case of God, if he just waited, be like, crap, this guy's going on 200 years, like kind of need him up here. And I was like, no, he did. it's like in a blink of an eye to God that we're all going to be there anyway. Like mm -hmm. we're all going to die. So at the end of it, sometimes we get kind of selfish that someone passed before we were ready, you know? Yeah. Like, and I'm not saying that to be a little tragedy because I'm not saying like if when someone sure. dies, oh, you shouldn't care because we're all going to die. That's not what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm just saying that we blame God for things that it's like, it was going to happen anyway and it's going to happen to you too yeah. maybe not as horrifically but like at the same time you know death is death once yeah. it's over for you it's over for you and then it's just you and god mm -hmm. so he's not i don't think he's as concerned with with that <laughs> as because he's like there's like a lot yeah. longer span of time that, that i'm waiting on and you're in this one here and this is really upsetting you but once you're past this world you're in this never-ending time mm. he's more concerned with that i think yeah so yeah, and it's definitely biblical and godly to to experience, you know, to walk through grief when there is something tragic, and to you know, pain is real, and as you said, yeah. not not belittling yes. anybody's right. pain or tragedy or, or anything that that they've gone through or that they're going through. Um, but at the same time, yeah, I think that we can. I, I think when we hold on too tightly to this world. Mm -hmm. then I think that, again, we set ourselves up for those kinds of things. Right. Again, like there's something very real. Like um, if you lose a friend, you lose a family member, you lose a loved one or someone gets sick or something like right. that. Like that feeling of loss, that feeling of, of tragedy, that feeling of grief, that feeling of pain, that's real. And you should right. walk through that and you should right. feel that. And Agreed. I think that God feels that with you. Like right. I think that God is emotional. He made us to have emotions. There's something about being people that are alive and that know how to love and that know right. how to experience sadness and all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, keeping that in mind, keeping that idea of, of eternity in mind. And mm -hmm. if our, if all of our hearts and all of our hope is kind of like anchored in this world, in this realm, right. then we definitely miss out on the bigger picture. I think we have to live in light of eternity. Right. And of course, we still miss people when they're gone. Of course. But there's also this hope that, you know, if, if we're walking with the Lord and they knew the Lord, that we're going to be together someday. And more importantly, like they're in a much better place. Right. You know, if right. we really believe what the Bible says. Right. That's why I say, like, it, 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 it's a weird thing. Cause like you said, there's zero shame in, 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 in hurting. And, and when, when someone does pass on, like, it, you're going Absolutely. to. It's involuntary. Absolutely. And it but, takes time for sure it's almost a selfish hurt of ours because they're not in pain. We're not necessarily hurt for them, especially if you truly believe that, that there is something beyond this life. Like if you don't think there's anything beyond this life and someone passes and you're like, oh man, they had... It's devastating. It's devastating because you're mm -hmm. like, they had this and that and that and they never got to do this or they, they were going to do that and you just think of everything they lost. 
But if, mm. if someone passes and you believe that they are going on to another place, it's like they haven't missed out on anything. If anything, you are. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's almost like a selfish hurt where it's like there's a hole in my heart. They're more complete than ever. But to yeah. me, there's a missing piece where they used to be. Yeah. That, and it's going to be harder for me to get through it here without them. And so but mm. when I say selfish, I don't mean as in you shouldn't feel that way. It's just like a, a human a human emotion that you will feel when you lose somebody close to you. Um, it's a part of life. You well, know? so that was one of the songs <laughs> that yeah. you brought up that went into that whole conversation. Yeah. What would you say is like your, what, what's been the most well-received song that you've released so far? If you even know this, like, do you know which one has gotten the most uh, listens, the most downloads, the most like love is, is there one that you could point to so far? It seems, uh, there's two that I think of cause they're kind of battling and out right now. Um, we released our first single. I'll start way back. Actually, we actually rebranded as a band. We used to have a totally different name and then we, uh, debuted our new name, uh, as after dusk in October of last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we released a music video for a song called become of me. And then um, in January, January 7th, we released our first EP. It was three songs. Uh, Become of Me was one of them. Uh, and then immediately a song called Unholy Ghosts uh, just yeah. boom. Like it was like, get out of the way, become of me. Like we were like, okay, that wasn't the song. <laughs> it, people are liking that song, but Unholy Ghosts has really uh, done really well. It's been number one on our, on our uh, Spotify and everything so far. And then we just released another music video for a song called Love is Dead. And it. uh, it's gone up to number two. It hasn't quite been uh, knocked on Holy Ghost off yet, but it is catching up. So we're really glad people liked like the songs. Uh, I don't know. I kind of like yeah. every time we release one of these EPs, I'm going to be like, okay, cool. I, I feel like I expect this one to do the best. I almost like it whenever I get shocked and the public says, no, this one. I really like this one. I'm like, oh, sweet. You know, yeah, cool. Because I didn't have as much faith in that one. But that's really cool. I was just talking to someone about this, how it's funny, the the. Th- the things that catch on are, you know, sometimes not being the thing that you expected or, you know, you said like, oh, I've, I've put so much into this project or like this is the one that to me sounds the, the best. But for whatever reason, sometimes it's a little bit hard to to gauge what's going to take off and what's right. going to really, you know, hopefully they hopefully they all, you know, people hear that that one that maybe is a little bit more popular or whatever. Right. And then it leads them to check out what else you have there. And, right. and it, it just leads people to you know, following or, right. you know, being able to, to really, uh, he- hear everything that you, that you have yeah. to offer, you know? One cool thing about being in the genre of metal, it's cool and it's annoying because of, uh, the conversation surrounding it. You have, <laughs> when you go like talk to someone who like hip, that like listens to hip hop, they don't have like a specific like offshoot of hip hop that uh-huh. they listen to per se. Like, yeah. like I listen to hip hop. With metal, it's like, oh, you listen to metal? No, man, I listen to metalcore. I listen to hardcore. I like grindcore. I got this uh, deathcore. I got, I got like literally probably twenty to thirty different genres, and they will fight to the death over which is the best and what their favorite act is. It's oh, it's a electronic uh, deathcore, <laughs> you know. Uh, but with us, that that is actually a really good plus because um, we can pull from a bunch. We can basically stay within the same genre that we love. And then make a bunch of different stuff. So like uh, on our album, I feel like to most people that I speak to, they're going to have a different favorite song or a favorite mm-hmm. group of songs because we don't pull from like one type of, of, of metal group. We pull from like a whole bunch of them. And uh, 
we like to make sure that every every couple songs it's like let's do something like totally different with this one that way like if you didn't absolutely if you aren't in love with that kind like this yeah. is your stuff you know yeah. maybe we'll be an introduction to that other style of of uh of heavy music so yeah you know i just realized in the in the throes of our technical difficulties and trying to get everything worked out um i did want to have some of your music pulled up that we could kind of you know maybe play some clips yeah. here and there so what i'll try to do if it works out is i'll see if i could add some stuff in um you know after after the fact or right. at least leave some links to where they can definitely check some stuff out but yeah and i can send you the video you can download it you'll have the video yeah so. that'd be awesome and like what what would you say do you consider your genre to be metal or do you consider it to be on like the metal core side or how would you def describe it uh i think this is kind of funny you bring this up. We're, we're a metalcore mm -hmm. band for sure, um, mm -hmm. mostly influenced by metalcore bands, but uh, our producer actually uh, described us as progressive metalcore recently. Okay. And we were like, I like it. oh, really? Because like, <laughs> we always viewed like the progressive metalcore bands as like, that means you're super technical and you're kind of pushing the envelope and you're just like the virtuosos, which I don't know. I think my guitarist is, he would never say that. Chris Rivera is his name. Uh, he's an incredible guitarist and he blows my mind with the things that he yeah. comes up with and the things that he can play in guy I tell him to shut up all the time because he'll be like listening to a uh like a silent planet song or like something from animals as leaders and he'd be like I could never play that give me 10 minutes and he's like sitting there <laughs> and, he, and he learns it and I'm and he he acts like oh I didn't think I could do that and I'm like we knew you could though <laughs> like, <added> you. <laughs> so like, I guess we're a progressive metalcore band which I think is kind of cool kind of kind of an honor to, <laughs> to be described that way love it um, so there's a there's a line and I'm gonna read it because I I don't want to butcher it. So there's a line in in the song, um, state of mind, state of mind. Yeah. So there's a line in this song that I love, and it says, "My senses tell the brain what the body wants. The problem is my body never knows the cost." I heard I listened to that line. And I was like, "Yo, that's that's a that's a dope line." Nice. Do you do you remember like what? the sort of what went into that in particular like so what the yeah what the when we started writing um we me and these boys actually used to be in separate bands uh they were a three-piece called outlast the end uh, i had my own band when that started falling apart we joined together and we started writing uh music together for the first time and that was First or second song we wrote actually uh, this is going to turn into a 12 song album so okay. it's one of the earliest ones we wrote uh originally we were just going to release a three song ep under the old name that we had um and the all three songs on holy ghost was one of them as well um all three songs dealt with uh mental afflictions or just uh, mm. just issues and that song's about addiction um and that could come in any form whether it's to drugs or alcohol um, it could be to uh, be a sexual addiction. It can be a, an addiction on any level. It could sure. just be a bad habit that is destructive to your life in general, to your marriage or whatever. And uh, so I wrote that from the perspective of, uh, that's why it's called state of mind's state of mind is it's, it's, it's all in your head. It's about the, you know, the chemicals in your, in your brain and, and how you're reacting to things out here in, in the physical world. And so that part is literally like, my senses tell the brain what the body wants. So it's, that's the craving of whatever yeah. action that you, that you are trying to fight against. Uh, the problem is my body never knows the cost. Sometimes it's, it is physical, but sometimes it's just mental. Sometimes the damage you're doing, it's always uh, self-inflicted addiction. 
you, it might not be drugs or alcohol where you can physically feel and see it, but other, other addictions or, or habits can be mentally damaging mm. and you, you don't understand what you're doing to yourself whenever you uh, willingly engage in destructive habits. So that's, that's where I was coming from on that song. Wow. Do you, is that a theme that, well, let me, let me just mention real quick, our camera person had to leave for a few minutes. So if you're watching this, the video is going to stay on Matt. So, <laughs> so just Hi. so you know, don't, you're not, don't pick your nose or anything while I'm talking. Cause they'll see it. I'm just saying, <laughs> <laughs> this is not, you're not free right now right. Uh, okay. to, uh, to, you know, do whatever. Start pulling wedgies out or whatever the whatever right. the thing is. But I anyway, don't mind if Duke sees it. You guys can't see it though. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, we'll be back to normal in a few minutes. But um, yeah, would you say are, are is that a theme that comes up often in your music or like those those kinds of things? It's it's interesting how um, you know a lot of times in this genre of music, if we're talking about you know we're talking about metal or we're mm -hmm. talking about um, yeah, like in, in this genre, the, the things that come out yeah. in this kind of music tend to be, not always, sometimes there's more lighthearted things, but for the most part, it's intense themes. It's right. themes of loss, themes of regret, themes right. of brokenness, themes of addiction, themes of, you know, where do you have, um, is that something that comes out, you, you, would you say a lot in the writing that you guys do or is everything just kind of, I don't know, like I'm not, I'm not totally sure how yeah. to phrase this question, but it definitely um, does. There, there definitely tends to be like really intense sort of themes when we're talking about, about metal, we're talking about things that are being expressed from mm -hmm. the, from the hearts of people. Right. And it's, it's interesting. And I think that's why so many people connect with it. At least one of the reasons, right. I mean, we love the blast beats. We love the breakdowns. We love the feel of it, but I think so many people connect to this, music scene right. because they feel like there's a realness there and there's people that are willing to write about things that right. are you know speaking to their state of mind and whatever would you say is that something that that kind of goes through your minds as um, artists and as you're creating and figuring out what your songs are going to be about and stuff like that most definitely um i think that um i mean it, it like you said it's an intense sound for music yeah um, it's very angry sometimes or very, very uh, just emotionally distraught. And so that's what you end up making the lyrics about. It would be kind of strange if I was like, I just ate ice cream and the sun is shining. You know, like, yeah. Well, I always think about like, uh, like, um, taking a like a Taylor Swift song and just like turning it metal. <laughs> I, I prevailed kinda... beat you to it quite a few years ago and now they're a big band because yeah, of it. Um, exactly. But also because their original music is awesome. Yeah. But uh yeah, certainly. But I think that um you know like poppy music that's like more happy go lucky is very much even like stuff that's on the radio is very much forget your problems, forget what's going on in your real mm. life right now. Have a good time. Mm. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's definitely a place for that. Sure. But um, even in those lyrics, you're not, you're, you're going to see that the lyrics will usually reflect the, the, however the music makes you feel. And uh, for me personally, I mean, I, I've had a really good life, but I understand that when I look around the world that most of life is suffering and it's humans basically waging a war against mm. that suffering. How can I make this, this place I'm forced to be in a better place? How can I make my life and the people around me in my life? How can I make it better? And so I always gravitated more towards heavier and 
music, rock music, because I, I don't, I'm not a very emotional guy. I'm really not. I'm pretty, I, I don't cry often or movies don't really make me emotional, but one of the few things that can make me feel emotion strongly is music. So I think that's why I became so obsessed with music and interested in it from a young age. Cause I, I just, I have too much of an analytical brain. Like mm -hmm. sometimes to my detriment, sometimes I can look at something that should very much be bringing me to tears and make me feel awful. And I can rationalize it and be like, mm -hmm. I understand this. It okay. sucks, but like, I'm not really affected by it emotionally. Um, I'm, I'm, I feel like a robot sometimes <laughs> and music pulls me out of that and helps me to, uh, to feel, I think a lot of times. So I was always interested in, in any kind of art, whether it was movies or music that would actually make me feel something. Um, so I'm always interested in sad music. Like, um, it's not metal, but like one of my favorite bands in the world is called this wild life. Uh, it's just two dudes. They're from the punk and metal scene, but they, in their, they're tattooed all the whole thing. One, the singer's got a big old beard and they just play acoustic love songs. Wow. And they play, and they sing about heartache and he has a very soft spoken voice. It's one of my favorite things in the world. Yeah. I have to send you some of their music. Um, and they will make me cry. I, I absolutely love well. it because just because I can feel where they're coming from, even whenever they they're singing about situations like I've never been through that, but I feel the emotion and well. the way that you present your 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 art. Um, but yeah, we, we definitely write about that a lot. And I have the luxury, too, of having another individual in my band who is uh, Chris. I was talking about our guitarist. He's also a beautiful singer and a wonderful songwriter. So we're almost 50 50 writing these songs. Like there cool. are some songs where I write all the lyrics, um, some songs where he wrote all the lyrics and melodies. And then some where we were like, we worked together and we did about 50 50. So, um, I get to sing some songs where it's not my perspective, it's his perspective. And that's great because we've both lived different lives yeah. and we can pull from different experiences. And, uh, yeah, I, I absolutely love doing that. That's so. awesome, man. What would you say, have been some of your biggest influences in terms of other bands and other music, um, you know, that have, yeah. So what, what other bands, other, other, um, uh, things that you've been into, would you say have had the most profound impact on kind of whether we're talking about your style, your sound, right. uh, we're talking about the sonic side of things or even more the, the emotional side of things. Do you, do you have, that in your mind of like some other bands that have had a, a big impact on the way that you guys write and create music? I do. I have, I have some that are really, really personal just to me and not the rest of my band. And then uh, we have a bunch of, of artists, especially like for the modern era that influences. Um, one, this is so funny. I get picked on for this, but I don't care. Like you guys can, 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 can suck my pinky. Like <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I am a huge Skillet fan. I love oh, yeah. Skillet. Um, and I've listened to them since I was like 14 and I remember picking the album comatose apart and be like, how do you even write a song? Yeah. And these guys got a girl on the drums yep. and they got someone playing the cello and the violin. Yep. And I was like, how do you make this? Like I knew nothing about it. And I was like, I want to do that. That's what I want to do. Yeah. I don't know how they're doing it, but that's what I want to do. And so, and I'm, I'm not saying that like, their albums, all their albums are flawless because like I pick apart their newer ones, but I, I and then there's stuff that I really love and stuff that I'm like game on, but sure. Um, that album specifically comatose for sure. changed my life. Um, I wore that album out back in the day. Yeah, man. yeah. Yeah. And I still revisit it at least once a year, you know, just, it's just one of those ones that affected me so heavily. Um, Anne Berlin 
is mm. a big one as well. Um, their album Cities really, uh, God, just yeah. as a piece of art and a lyrical masterpiece, in my opinion, just yeah. front to back. Like, Finn is like one of my favorite songs of all time, which is the strangest thing because it's like seven and a half minutes long, <laughs> and that's not usually people's favorite sure. songs. But um, So Amberlynn was a big one. Under Oath, for sure. That was my first metal band ever getting into it. A buddy of mine in uh, in middle school showed me Under Oath. In middle school. So about what year would that have been, roughly? Eighth grade. Um, that would have been 2008 then. Okay. Awesome. Easy for me to keep up with because the, the year was always the grade I was yeah. in. <laughs> yeah, they were one of my first, for sure. Um, that Yeah, and it was, um, it was probably... See, I was in high school. I I remember getting into them, and I and I went and I saw them in Philly, and it was before their only chasing safety came out. So it was like wow when they were like more on the, I guess the metal. Kind of you know, they they, they had a little bit of a different core, yeah, yeah, a little bit of a different different was feel. Taylor was actually a very band. different feel. Yeah, and so but then I just remember, dude, when that album came out, like we raced to the record store after school. And I remember like passing one of my buddies on the way to the record store and he had gotten out before me and he yeah. was like waving it out the window. He's like, I got it before you. And that became like our just so many songs on that album just became like almost like anthems yeah. to me. And it was it, it was like them and Emery and a few other bands like Dead Love Poetic Emery. and Beloved and and uh, bands like that, that that were kind of like my induction into he the heavier Right. side of music so we're know? both tooth and nail solid state babies for yeah, sure bro. yeah so Absolutely. I, I figured so <laughs> i actually have a weird experience with under oath because like i've heard a lot of people say basically that that's like how they found them was chasing safety so i didn't know who they were until they had just released i said eighth grade i think it was seventh grade because it was mm -hmm. 2007 because uh define the great line had only been out for maybe a year to a year and a half yeah i think that was oh six it was six so, yeah. yeah so i think it was like a little bit into my uh right before eighth grade so um, I found that record, and a buddy of mine suggested it, and my mom took me to the local Christian music store, and I got out, and I bought the CD with a really weird cover. Yeah. I bought the deluxe. I didn't, I'd never heard them. There was no internet. There oh, was wow. no streaming. I just trusted my friend's judgment. Yeah. And I uh, had a little bit of money I got for a birthday or something, and I bought the deluxe version, which was it just came with like a behind the scenes DVD, and that stuff always interests me. And we didn't have, I didn't have like a computer with YouTube, so that's how I got to see that stuff. So I, I bought the album, got in the car. My mom wasn't paying attention. She's like, it's a Christian bookstore, whatever. And she gets in <laughs> and she sees the cover, and I'm looking through the booklet, and there's like these weird like ghost creatures in the booklet and their eyes are lighting up and they're like, ah. and she's like, what demonic crap did you just buy out of the Christian bookstore? I was like, it's under earth mom. They're a Christian band. Leave me alone. Yeah. Like, so, and, but that album was really weird because I was used to listening to like skillet thousand foot crutch and red. And I had started listening to like breaking Benjamin and three days grace. So really mainstream heavy rock stuff. Yeah. And I put this album in, I've never heard anything like it. Like, yeah. This is my introduction to metal. And uh, I'm just like, this album makes me uncomfortable. Like I feel very on edge, kind of anxious, which I'm not a very anxious person. Mm. That interested me because it made yeah. me feel something. I was like, I don't ever feel this way. I don't know what I'm feeling, and I don't love it, but I want to. I want to hear that again because I like let, let me experience that again. And that record is such a journey because there's like, like writing on the walls. 
How the heck does that song become as popular as it is? I don't know how it's their, one of their biggest songs because it it is one of their best songs in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But I didn't think the rest of the world would think that because there's no chorus, there's no verses, right. there's no anything. It starts <laughs> and it ends. It yeah. goes to a different place every moment. You know, it's 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 a nightmare for people who listen to the radio. Right. You know. Yeah. And yeah. I absolutely loved it. And the more I listened to that record, the less uncomfortable, the more comfortable I was. Cause I was like, I know every, you know, turn this is going to take. Cause I know this record inside and out now. Mm. Um, that was a heavy influence on me. And then the weird thing is just, I have a bad habit of when I get into a band, I don't backtrack on them. I just follow them from there. Okay. I didn't hear chasing safety. I didn't hear any of it until they were broke up and disambiguation was out. Wow. So wow. now I love that record, but yeah. I just never went back for some reason. I bought yeah. Define, then when Lost in the Sound came out, bought that record, yeah. bought Disambiguation, and then yeah. one day said, you know what, I know it's like $25 at my local FYE, and that's why I've been avoiding buying it, because it's expensive and rare at this point, yeah. and it, I didn't, we didn't quite have streaming as like easy to get a hold of now as it was. Finally, I was like, whatever, I'm going to go buy it, and then I was like, mm-hmm. I was stupid. Why didn't I buy this like 10 years ago? Yeah. <laughs> Did you go back further and check out like their stuff that came out prior to I have, that as well? I have it's, since then, but just because of the lineup changes and everything, I see it as a totally different band. You know, like Spencer came in for uh, Chasing Safety, and that kind of set a precedent. None of their albums are the same album at all. They do a really right. good job of reinventing right. themselves. It's true. But there are, are things that, that those albums share in common that, uh, I mean, number one, if you have a band where you not only have one vocalist with an extremely unique voice, but you have two, number one, screw you, because that's very <laughs> lucky. And yeah. like that's why bands like Linkin Park and Under Oath, in my opinion, are so iconic, is mm-hmm. you have two vocalists, and people will fight over who's the best and who should sing more. Yeah. And they, uh, yeah. it, it's so awesome. It makes yeah. the band very unique. So that will carry over into every record, except Disambiguation, but Spencer can carry that band if he wants to, even though I, I like... I'm so happy that uh, Aaron is back because he adds so much to that band. But yeah, I could talk about them forever. Yeah, so, <laughs> so, uh, so they've had a little bit of an impact, right? A little bit of an impact. <laughs> a bit. So those are probably the big three that I know. Uh, I mean, there's how about more, Lincoln like Park? Because when I listen to you guys, I hear a lot. Oh of, I hear, I hear in the the way, and this this might this is this might be a a sad moment, but. I just have a, I have a feeling that you probably connected with Chester yes, um, in a pretty um, big way um, as far as your music goes. I hear a lot of him in your vocals. That means, that means a lot to me. Um, you're not the first person that has told me that. And every time I'm just like, God, I, I, I don't necessarily hear it, but Jesus, I'm, I'm, I, that's an honor yeah. to hear. Um, yes, Linkin Park is uh, one of my favorite bands of all time. They're definitely one of the most influential on me. Um, I think Meteora is the best record ever written, mm. ever. Like, and that's hard for me. I'm a music yeah. fanatic, and I, it, on any given day, it's really hard for me to pick like my favorite artist of the day and everything. That yeah. record, to me, I'm just like, that's my favorite record, period. Wow. Um, and a lot of people are like, why not Hybrid Theory? And I'm like, okay, listen here. Hybrid Theory yeah. has some of the best songs they've ever written, but as a front-to-back album, mm-hmm. there's a few songs that aren't as good as the others. Like, not every song on that record is as good as In the End or Crawling right. or any. I think Meteora, every song is super solid. important, yeah. solid. The track listing, like the order, like it's an emotional journey of ups and downs, and they don't let you stay in one spot too long before they bring you to another place. Mm. And 
the mix on that record, I don't know how it sounds that good from 2003. I mean, you go listen to like yeah. My Chemical Romance's uh, first big record and like Silverstein. Like, I absolutely love those bands and they're huge and those are huge records. The mixes on them to me are not that great. Right. I don't know how Linkin Park sounds as good as it is. Kudos to that. Uh, I forgot his name, the guy that, that mixed and mastered and the guy that produced that record. That makes me upset right now, but <laughs> <laughs> right. I don't know what it is. I'm a nerd and I know this stuff, but I forgot. <laughs> but yeah, Chester, um, he passed away in, I believe it was, I always forget if it was June or July, but I think it was July of 2017. And I, cause I remember where I was when I heard that he passed. Um, my old drummer actually messaged me and was like, dude, the Lincoln Park, uh, the, the vocalist of Lincoln Park committed suicide. I did not believe him. I was like, this yeah. guy's yanking my chain. He's just playing yeah. with me or whatever. And it turned out to be real, and I, uh, I remember exactly where I was. I was leaving work. I was about to go see my parents out at the beach because they were on vacation, and I went home and cried in my shower. Um, mm. I was, I was very upset, and I cried. Wow. You can ask my wife; she knows. She she didn't quite understand it because, you know, she didn't have like the connection to Lincoln Park or, or Chester that I did. But it felt like someone that I knew died, and I knew yeah. I, I never got to meet Chester sadly. Um, but it was like this individual who poured so much into me when I was a child and I started to realize it's like now that he's gone I'm like I think about this topic that way because of how Chester talked about it in his wow. lyrics or in interviews I'll be like wow this man had a lasting effect on me as an individual that I will always take with me and mm. I never met him and that's why this hurts so much yeah um and there's only been a few individuals like I really don't get upset about celebrity deaths that often like uh, mm -hmm. one that hurts from like just a perspective of respect for his work like Robin Williams sure love Robin Williams uh, and that hurt you know like growing up with his movies and seeing his art um, but it was different with Chester past um, that is I don't think it'll anybody will ever have the impact that he had on me um, well. especially just also like that band taught me to enjoy other genres like because when you're a kid I think you find what you like Mm -hmm. And then you kind of become an elitist about it and you don't even realize it. You're like, if it doesn't sound like this, then I don't like it. Like I had this weird thing, like growing up, like I listened to a lot of new metal, obviously. So my, sure. like uh, breaking Benjamin and, and red and stuff. And I used to think that Reliant K and green day were trying to do that, oh, but they weren't good at writing riffs. Okay. <laughs> and I thought that those bands won. I was like, you'll never be a breaking Benjamin. I was a dumb kid. I didn't realize they're playing a different genre yeah. and exactly what you're hearing is what they intend for you to hear. Like that's on purpose. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love those bands now, by the way. Yeah. But too. I was a kid and just thought the only good music is like this music. Yeah. And, uh, Lincoln park when they released, um, it was their, uh, their fourth record. Uh, shoot. What was it called? Um, a thousand sons. Yeah. Very okay. weird record. It's weird to this day. And when it came out, I was like, I was disappointed at first and I was like, Oh no, like they're, they're losing their edge and they don't know, Maybe they just don't know how to write the same kind of stuff they used to. And I, dumb thoughts you think as a kid. And it's like, no, this they did this completely intentionally. And this is actually in some ways far more creative direct direction for them because mm. they, they know how to write those songs you've yeah. already heard. It, it yeah. would get so boring if they kept writing, writing that same record over. Yeah. I would listen to all of them if they all sounded sure. like Meteora. But from their perspective, um, and then they reinvented themselves every record. And I was wow. like, that's incredible and i was one of the few people that i knew that could say is like i owned every one of them physically all of them um even past when it was like you're still buying cds what's wrong with you you know like yeah. <laughs> so huge huge influence on me uh yeah. lincoln park and chester I, I think about him all the time um mm. that's a real a real 
real tough one. It's yeah. a, a great example of you can have all the money and the fame in the world, but that's not, it doesn't, it doesn't bring you happiness per se. It could be like an accessory to happiness, but that's not your source of happiness, you yeah. know? Um, but yeah, that was a really, really hard one. <sighs> yeah, man. It's, uh, it's like when things like that happen, it's like, what, what do I do with this now? Yeah. You know? and, yeah. and it was a similar thing with Robin Williams. You know, you mentioned him as well. And it's like, oh man, this is somebody who makes so many people happy. He's right. brought so much joy and laughter into people's lives. Like, and, and speaking like on Robin Williams, like he's, he was so silly and so like fun loving, but it's not who you'd expect. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's, I think it taught a lot of people about how mental health works and, and how like, yeah, it's not always going to be obvious, you know, that somebody is, is, is struggling internally. And I think that was, I hate that it comes at the cost of losing people that are important to you or, or, or role models. Wow. But that paying that cost, I think it woke a lot of people up. I really do. And I think that it comes in different, different, uh, crowds. Like obviously like the people that comes to that realization through Robin Williams is a different crowd than comes to it through Chester. Chester right. just sent a wave and then it immediately followed with, um, with, um, oh shoot. Brain fart. Um, <laughs> Soundgarden. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're vocalist. Um, yeah, he, he, and he passed away. Chris Cornell, Chris yeah. Cornell. Yeah, he passed, and those are very closely related because, um, wait, I think Chris passed first. Yeah, Chris passed first because Chester okay. uh, Chester uh, passed on his birthday because he had to sing at Chris's funeral. And so not oh, saying the two are necessarily related, but I will say that yeah. there's no way he wasn't dealing with some extreme emotional stress that day. Wow, you I know? didn't know that. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's really tough. But um, yeah, really, really rough. But yeah, man, I actually uh, recently, have you ever heard of a band called Too Close to Touch? No, I haven't. Incredible band. Um, I definitely would highly suggest some of their records. Um, their vocalist actually recently just passed, um, but it was due to health complications. There wasn't mm -hmm. any any like self-harm involved. I was very relieved to hear that. Yeah. But that's only, like I said, there's very few people that have passed that have affected me in a way where I was like, oh man, yeah. this is rough. Like, And uh, that just happened like two weeks ago. And um, that's been affecting me here lately, thinking about him. I only got to meet him one time. Um, and it was like a, you know, like we were at Warp Tour. We got to speak to him for oh, a yeah. few moments as a fan, you know, and didn't yeah. really get to sit and, and have like a real conversation one-on-one -on -one or anything. But yeah. yeah, that one really affected me. He was a great guy. Uh, Keaton Pierce is his name. Hmm. That's cool. There, there's something, you know, when we think about this genre of music, there is something about you know, these, these bands and these artists that they, for the most part, not, this is not true necessarily across the board, but there is something about them where they are more, they tend to be more approachable mm -hmm. than, you know, when you would think about someone who's a big deal and, you know, maybe a mainstream, you know, more mainstream genre of music right. where, you know, like we were at, we were at Furnace Fest last year and, yeah. and uh, I was, I was talking, I don't know if you got, you probably didn't get this far in the conversation yet, but when I was talking to Chad, that's one of the things he brought up on the podcast was just like the dudes from Taking Back Sunday, the dudes from Emory, like all these bands, they're just kind of like walking around and they're right. mingling with people. And, uh, it's like, and, and his thought was, yeah, like he, he was kind of like taken back by it at first, but he's like, 
yeah, you know, like why why wouldn't they be? Why wouldn't I be? You know, like walking because that's what it's about. It's about right. connecting with 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 people. I was listening to uh, an interview with uh, with uh, Josh Scoggin from um, from from Norma man. and the Chariot and uh, now sixty eight and uh, and that was his thing. And I, I remember going to like one of the early Chariot shows mm-hmm. uh, on the Young Bloods tour back in I think it was oh four. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was talking to Chad about this too. In, in like the basement of a church and literally like the dudes like where I was standing it's this small venue and literally like 10 feet from these guys like 10 feet from Josh while he's climbing up on his speakers and like jumping off and like <laughs> yeah and, and like pulling the backdrop off the wall and wrapping himself in it and just doing ridiculous things like right. he broke the headstock off of I think it was the bass Like he jumped down and like, I can't remember who he, I can't, I don't remember exactly what it was, but I remember like one of the instruments breaking because he jumped off this thing and, and the dude wasn't happy about it. That man, (laughs) that man has to like, there's just this craziness, but when he walks into a guitar center or wherever he's buying his equipment now, he must be like, all right, give me four of them. Cause I will break the first three (laughs) in the first three days of tour. So it's so (laughs) nuts. But, but that was like his, that's what his heart was that he was expressing was just like that. I like wanting to be close and connected with the people that are, you know, here checking this out. And I think yeah. that that's why there is such a community aspect around this. And that's why, Definitely. you know, you can be there. There's such a broad spectrum of people, of, of artists that are involved in this music scene from those that are, you know, like hardcore Christians. And then you, yeah. the people that might be like straight edge, people that are atheists, people right. that are, you know, all, all kinds of people. But yet we can all go to a hardcore show and we can all watch out for each other, take care of each other. Yeah. And there's definitely that communal aspect to it that I just don't think um, there aren't too many other places in in life where it exists. I mean, that kind of it should exist in the church. Right. It should. <laughs> it, and, and, it's, and in many cases, I think it does. But but, you know, there there's definitely things that I've just learned about relating to people just by right. being involved in involved like I'm involved in terms of I'm just a listener I've never been in a band like this but you know just kind of being connected to the music scene and seeing you know people relate to one another and protect and defend each other and all of that it's a really special thing right I think one one uh, struggle that the church has is that everybody involved with the church is in a completely different part of their walk like they're like some people at the very start some people are at the very whatever you might consider the end um, but everyone's in a different place. So it's really hard to establish a culture of, of, you know, that thing that we experience in, in the mosh pit, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> which is a weird thing to describe, but I always tell people this story of, um, it goes back to how you were talking about like the, the music being tackling like dark themes and everything. Mm-hmm. I've always loved, uh, August Burns Red had a t-shirt that they sold for, I think they still sell it. It's probably like one of their best selling t-shirts and it says on the back real big angry music for happy people. Yeah. And, uh, Love it. kind of just expresses like what, what this whole thing's about. And I, uh, I went to go see them. Uh, I think it was in new Orleans house of blues, like, 2017 2018 something like that and uh i felt that very thing once again we brought me and my buddy brought a guy who'd never been to a show ever in his life and we were like you mm. listen to metal music and he's like i've heard a slipknot song before and i was like okay you're ba- we might just be about to scare <laughs> you away forever but here let's go do it anyway we'll buy you a ticket yeah. so we took him to see august burns red this boy I, i'm not i don't get in the pit i'm short 
I am elbow height, so and I have a massive nose. So I'm just asking <laughs> to have like most Pride people think that breaks. this looks like this because I got smacked in the mosh pit. I'm like, no, I'd hate to see it if I ever did get smacked in the mosh pit. <laughs> so uh, and I have very poor uh, uh, coordination. So I get get in there, I'm just going to end up knocked out on the floor in a blood puddle. But so, but this guy that we brought along who'd never been to a metal show was like, that looks like fun. Jumped right in. He got smacked in the nose yeah. and just blood everywhere. And we thought, oh, no, we've ruined him. He'll never listen to this music. He came out with blood all over his face. Going, I love it here. This is so cool. And we were like, I don't know why he just turned into Jerry Seinfeld. But um, we were like, oh, my God, I don't know what just happened. But we've created a monster. And he felt that very same thing. He was like, that was the craziest thing ever. I've never met any of these people. But like if, if someone fell. It was like at least like 30 to 40 people doing like the circle pit and getting real sure, violent. Sure, sure, If someone fell down, everyone stopped, picked them up. Hey, you good? You all right? They checked on them. Cool, let's go. And yeah. they just kept going. And he was like, that was the weirdest thing. Um, and like, for instance, like when we were there, it was packed. I mean, it was mm -hmm. like wall to wall. You know, you're, 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 I got some person's sweat on this arm, another person's sweat on this arm because I'm so close to people. And I like found a T-shirt on the ground uh, at one point, and I was like, "Oh man, this is like something they're selling over there. Someone must have dropped their T-shirt." Mm. So I kept it on my arm, and I looked around. I was like, "There's no way I'm finding them in this crowd." So at the end of the show, like an hour later, when this crowd starts like dispersing, I kind of hung around, and I noticed someone looking around kind of hard. And oh, I was yeah. like, "Hey man, are you missing like a, a ABR shirt?" And he was like, "Yeah." And I was like, "Is this it?" And he was like, "Bro, thank you so much. Like, why why didn't you just take that?" And I was like, because I knew I knew someone yeah. here. I didn't know it was you, but yeah. I knew you were here somewhere. Yeah. And he was like, bro, I've only experienced any, nothing but love from strangers here at this show. Wow. And I was like, that's because this, this band in particular, August Burns Red, has established a culture that surrounds their band yeah. of love. I mean, shoot, their, their, their singer, Jake, has that, that whole organization, um, heart support. Mm -hmm. And I was like, and you feel it here. And outsiders don't understand that about our music scene. They're like, it sounds evil and because I don't understand yeah. it. They're like, it, 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 I don't get the music and the people are rough, look like they got tattoos and they got, you know, that they don't understand that the lyrical context of it is it's not a place of anger and it's not a place of violence. It's a yeah. place of hurt and as a place of relate, relating to other people. And so the people that are in that, that scene together, like you don't even have to know each other. Like I know why you're here. You're here for the same reason I'm here. And it's because this band makes me feel something and they treat me like a person and they're not a celebrity. Like they're just like, that's why everybody loves like Garrett from silent planet. You listen uh -huh. to silent planet. Uh, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Like, uh, I just got to see them the other day with fit for a King and hollow front and avoid. It was uh, it's crazy. Awesome. It's good a good show. show. But that's why everybody loves that band because they're one of the most personal bands that you'll ever you'll ever meet and just such nice loving people. But it's crazy that you find that in such a like I said like violent sounding aggressive music scene. But that that's that is a trend. Um, weird thing that me and my friends have never been able to figure out. Like early two thousands, almost all of the metal bands that were really killing it. They're all Christian bands. Yeah. All of them. Like, yeah. it was really hard to find one that yeah. was the they, big deal, and they weren't Christian. Yeah. The Christian side of this genre, I've been thinking about that a lot lately, how they've really pushed it. They've, right. They've, uh, they've in a lot of ways, a lot of those bands that were Christian bands really pioneered this thing and right. pushed it to a new level. Right. Um, would you consider... <laughs> I apologize if you don't like this question. No, I, no, I feel like go this for it. Come, They're all... But, 
But do you do you consider are you a Christian in a hardcore band or do you guys consider yourselves a Christian? Not that you're a hardcore band right. per se, but right. I, I kind of lump that right. into a category. So Christian, are you a Christian metal band or Christian metalcore right. band or are you a Christian in a band? Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The answer to that is definitely no. Um, we're not a Christian Christian band. And the reason for that is that it, it's just a marketing scheme. And I'm not saying that anyone who's ever been in a band that considered themselves a Christian band was like uh, sleazy or they sure. were just scheming to get your money. It was something that was like by the labels and the, the representatives that were about the money part of this thing because there's a lot of money in Christian music and there always yeah. has been. That was a marketing scheme. And it, it kind of, I think that it established some misconceptions in people's heads about people. Um, that have been very damaging to the faith just in general. I think that's one reason why like you find the members of under oath are so split on their faiths because yeah. they weren't allowed to be real people. And I'll tell you this, uh, I don't really listen to a lot of like modern contemporary music as far as Christian goes, but I, I know all the artists, uh, Jeremy camp is not as perfect as he looks and he will tell you that, but he'll say it in a very humble way. Cause he's a humble guy and he's a good, nice guy. But if, if Jeremy Camp ever slipped up, stubbed his toe and said the right, F word, right. he'd be canceled. Yeah. And that's yeah. that's not, a, to me, I don't see that as being like a, a problem of Jeremy Camp or, and I'm just throwing out a random name. Sure. That could be anyone, mercy me, whatever. That is a problem of the church and that is a problem of, of, of human beings. It's like, you really don't think, you really think they're that, that high above you? Right. That, that, that things like that don't happen? Yeah. Not to mention that I, I we could talk about curse words all day because I think it's a really silly cultural thing that... Yeah. We take that so seriously, and it's like those, those words didn't even exist to like a thousand <laughs> and plus five hundred years after Jesus yeah. died. Like that's a cultural thing, and the church has issues adapting to cultural changes. It always has mm-hmm. over the course of decades or hundreds of years. I mean, when I grew up, uh, having a tattoo was like the end of it. Like you couldn't have a tattoo. Right. Now you got youth pastors with sleeves, um, and you know. And the, and the, you have to have an ongoing dialogue of okay what are things that are actual issues because of our we we can read our our religious doctrine and know okay that has no place in our faith and what Mm. are some things where it's just the old people in the faith really couldn't adjust to the changing of culture and they would like to have twisted scripture to say that that's a bad thing that you're doing because i don't like it and i'm uncomfortable with it tattoos or saying certain words or or what have you. Um, but there are some things that like, obviously like if you don't believe that Jesus rose again on the third day, <laughs> which you'd be shocked how many religious leaders are saying, you may- maybe he didn't, you know, like he, maybe it's just like a symbolic thing. And it's like, no, that you're not a Christian. I'm sorry. Like, I'm, I'm just going to call it out. Like you, if you don't believe that Christ yeah. died and rose again, yeah. you're something, but you're not a Christian. You know what I mean? Like, I'm yeah. just, yeah, that like progressive Christianity, right, right. so to speak, and but to, uh, deconstructed. Yeah, yeah, the deconstructed. And I think to some degree, there's some room for deconstruction because, like I said, like Just, I hate that word because it doesn't get separated. Right. Like, the cultural part of deconstruction, like I was taught to feel extremely guilty exactly, for yeah. listening to music that wasn't, and this is a good segue to bring it back around, I did not listen to any band that wasn't a Christian band right. as a child. And when I did, I felt horrible about yeah. it yeah, i had same. this horrible guilt same and it was a case of a lot of times there were christians in that band or the maybe the whole band was a christian but they weren't marketed that way by the right. christian record label or they weren't in the store and then there were christian bands not a single song is about god or jesus mm. but the christian culture 
We didn't care about that. We were like, they're a Christian band though. Yeah. They're marketed, they're that, marketed way, that way. And we're eating it up with a big spoon. Yeah. Like that's I think it's I, that's why I say there's misconceptions. Like I actually had an ex girlfriend, obviously back like early high school, where um she was upset with me for listening to Three Days Grace and I was like mm-hmm. I was like, okay, for instance, the, the new music at the time, I was like, what's the difference between a love song from Three Days Grace and yours to hold from Skillet? Uh-huh. And she was like, Skillet's a Christian band. I was like, that song's not about Jesus. It's about a girl. She's like, yeah. it doesn't matter. And I was like, you're falling for a marketing scheme. <laughs> you are literally not, you do not see the people. You you only see the 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 label. And you yeah. can't get past these cultural issues. Of, these are real human beings just like you. Yeah, They're not robots. They're people. And they... You know, it, it, I don't know. It's very, very irritating to me. So, and even like Tooth and Nail, I've seen like a bunch of uh, interviews like Brandon Evil where they were like, well, we really weren't a Christian label, but because a lot of the people involved with the label were, were faith-based, yeah. we would find these faith-based bands. Most of the bands ended up being faith-based, especially since at the time when the label was coming up, as we were talking about, they were all hard hardcore bands and metal bands. So most of them ended up being Christian bands. Yeah, and the label got that rep. Now there's been a lot of not Christian bands on that label, um, mm. who have been given that title. Like there are bands on 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 Solid State and and on uh, Tooth and Nail right now with curse words in their music, and then people will get on Instagram and be like, "How dare you say those words?" Because I'm uncomfortable about it. And they're like, "We're not even a Christian band." They're like, "But you're on Tooth and Nail." It's like, you're you're falling for for the marketing scheme that they didn't even uh-huh. mean to do. You uh-huh. know, right? But. Uh, but yeah, it's just the weirdest thing. Like <laughs> that same uh, ex-girlfriend that I was talking about, we went to see a skillet show, probably that same era, like when I was like 16 and her mother brought up to me while we we're in the line about to meet them for the VIP thing. Like mm-hmm. I was disappointed when I found out they weren't signed to a Christian label. And I was like, they're on Atlantic records. Uh-huh. That is one of the biggest labels in the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, massive. And she yeah. was like, yeah, that should be a Christian label. And I was like, I guarantee you not everyone that works at Tooth and Nail is a Christian. Sure. Or maybe they're oh, out, sure. they're halfway out the door. But right. Like that's not what it's about. You yeah. know, that's the weirdest thing to yeah. me. Like but kids fell for it too. Like when we were kids, uh everyone listening like Panic at the Disco and uh Fall Out Boy, they were on this really cool little indie label called right. uh, uh uh Fueled by Ramen. Kids thought oh, that was yeah, real cool. Yeah. That's so punk rock. Fueled by Ramen. Uh-huh. Fueled by Ramen is a subsidiary of, of Atlantic Records. Uh-huh. So it was one of the hugest labels in the world. And the label was like, I think kids would like it. We could trick them into thinking <laughs> we're this tiny <laughs> punk rock label. Yeah. And we'll call it something trendy. Yeah. Like Fueled by Ramen Noodles. Yeah. <laughs> like, That's so good. It's a marketing ploy. Yeah. And it, it, the Christian music thing always has been. So it's like, I'm a Christian. Uh, several of the dudes in my band are Christian. Uh, some of us are in spots where we're not really sure. But we're not just like paint it with the same brush thing. I'm also not trying to put like these expectations on me where it's like, I understand that people that make art are in a position of influence. But at the end of the day, I would like to be one of those that kind of breaks that wall down mm. of I'm not, I like, you shouldn't see me necessarily as a hero. It's okay. I, I'm going to do, I would love to do my best to be a great influence on kids yeah, and sure. on, and on other people that, that like my band's music, sure. which that I love that people are, are digging the music, but at the end of the day, I'm just like you Yeah, where I'm a human being with struggles. And, uh, you know, a lot of times it's probably the same as, as theirs. And I'm here to relate. I'm not here to be above you on this. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I'm here to be a part of the experience when we're at the shows with the crowd, not be like, you know, I don't know. It's some kind of weird self worship thing, mm. you know? 
I actually yeah. touch on that in some of the record too. We have the third EP, which this is a debut, will be called Self Worship. Um, wow. Because it kind of speaks about that. Wow. So. That's something that I think, man, so many bands, like when you go back to those early 2000s and kind of the, the, the real sort of beginning years of this Christian underground scene. Right. And I think that that's something that so many of these Christian artists struggled with was what you were talking about, like these high expectations that mm -hmm. were placed on them yeah. to act a certain way, to only talk a certain way. And then God forbid somebody, you know, backstage at a show or somebody in the parking lot or whatever, like heard somebody, you know, drop an F-bomb or, you know, just say yeah. something or act out of character. And it's like, well, hold on. Like I, I, I was a kid in high school and I formed this band and then right. like you put me up on this pedestal we're like, you know, I, I'm, I'm great. You know, of course, there's the, the gratitude for, you know, being um, not not praised, but, you know, the, the gratitude for, you know, getting to that point where you have people following you and that love your music. Yeah. You get and, the support. and there's yeah, yeah, there's like this automatic thing that happens where, you know, you're a Christian artist, you're a Christian band, mm -hmm. you're a role model. You know, it's it's an automatic right. thing. I don't I don't imagine I'm not really as connected to all of the inner workings in that way today as I was back then. I don't imagine that there's exactly the same level of um, of of that kind of thing attached to it today as there used to be back then. Yeah, well, a lot but, of bands are steering away from from being labeled as yeah, that anyway. Because yeah, I think there, it's a, there's all this yeah. stuff that gets attached with it, and it's like, well. Um, people, you know, would get ostracized and, yeah. and people that, you know, they'd have a mistake or a slip up or whatever. And it's like, you know, like, do you not see that we're like out here, we're touring, like this is not an easy life. Like right. we've got stuff going on. And uh, well, some things weren't even necessarily slip ups. It was like, I don't believe yeah. that I'm in the wrong with this, but I'm just, right. it's a cultural taboo. Right. It's not necessarily right. a biblical sin or something yeah. that is like in the doctrine of, if I do this, then it's wrong. It's literally just a cultural thing that people are uncomfortable with. That's true. You know, like there, I, I remember when I first started listening to to metal music, John Cooper had no tattoos. Now he's covered. That's the vocalist for Skillet. For people that don't know, like he's covered because and he they just did like Winter Jam. Um, yeah. And that's like one of the biggest Christian tours of all time. It's not like it used to be. I'm not saying that there isn't some people out there that still view that in a certain way, but not like it was in the '90s. You know what sure. I mean? So sure. in, in just a few short decades, that has gone from being, you know, we will argue that to the to the to the ends of the earth that the Bible says you're going to hell if you have a tattoo, you know, to yeah. okay, we're past that now. Like, what's the next thing? <laughs> yeah, what's, what's the next, the next thing? thing? But then also, where do we stop? Because mm -hmm. there is a point where you should stop where it's like you can't. Okay, not anything goes as long as you try to reimagine the scriptural text yeah. to how you want it. Yeah. You should be searching for what's the actual truth, and I, are you willing to accept it even if it hurts, even if it means you have to accept cultural change, or even if you have to accept I can't change the text, and I want to, but I have to abide by these sure. rules if I want to do what God is telling me to do. Sure, we struggle with both ends of that spectrum. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you've got a pretty big show coming up. I, right? I do. I, do. <laughs> I was so stoked when I saw. So you're playing with uh, with Devil Wears Prada and with Era. Yeah. Um, yeah. I saw Era at, um, at for the first time at Furnace Fest nice. and I didn't know how good they were, um, but they're they're fun, man. Furnace um, Fest is they're cool, but exclusively Christian acts, right? No. 
No, no. And that's like... Did it used to be? It No, not even back then. Okay. Um, you know, Chad was... Who was... Chad Johnson, who mm. was on the podcast a couple weeks ago, who was very influential in that Christian underground music scene yeah. going back to those early 2000s. Um, he had that label, Take Hold Records, right, and um, just a, a small record that eventually, a small record label that eventually got acquired by Tooth and Nail, right. who was like becoming really big back in those days and and gaining a lot of traction. And I watched the label yeah, podcast. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. A lot of those bands, man, like yeah. early early Norma Jean before they were even called that. Ooh. Under Oath. Um, yeah, when they were you know two thirty eight. Like a lot of these <laughs> bands. Yeah. <laughs> what was it? Ludicrous. Yeah, Ludicrous. <laughs> yep. I love it. Man, like a lot of these bands, Anne Berlin back in those days, Me Without You, um, you know, kind of going back into into those days. And a lot of these bands that became extremely uh, influential. But yeah, no, even back then he had um, they had a whole plethora of bands coming. It was it was always kind of meant to be that thing. And I think that's kind of back to what we're talking about. You know, I, I think that we are so prone toward trying to draw a line between secular and sacred Right. in our lives where you know this is something spiritual that i do and this is not that right. this is spiritual this is my church life connected to the things that i do that are quote unquote for god because right. i feel spiritual when i'm doing them and then the other stuff that i do and it's like well no if you're a christian if you're if you're a child of god right you're you know if you're if you're a son or daughter of god then like everything about your life in in a sense should be spiritual Right. Because you're always connected to God. So whether you're going to your quote unquote secular job yeah. or you're you know doing whatever, if your heart is to serve the Lord and going back to what you said a minute ago, we do have to, there is definite balance there. And there's right. not just like, we can't just make our own rules right. and be like, oh, I do, I do what I want, but in the name of serving Jesus, like yeah. we can get real weird and, and out there. Like and, I know the text like says put, this, yeah. but I kind of live everything else but yeah. that, yeah. you know, or I, maybe I, I interpreted it this way, exactly. you know, like, yeah. it's like, well, and I'm not talking about that. Right, right. <laughs> That's not what I'm talking about. Right. But I am, you know, say, like hit what I only brought that up to say like his heart in the thing from the beginning was just bringing people together. Yeah. And he said he said this in the podcast like I want to set a table and then, you know, just basically people are going to know where I stand. You know, mm-hmm. people are going to know my heart and he's been very outspoken about his his love for Jesus and he's right. done all kinds of missions work and still does to this day and and everything but the the heart of it was always to just kind of bring people together right you know? right it wasn't just this is for christians or right. this is for christian bands i only ask is like i uh so i've never seen era live i just recently uh listened to like their newest album it's really really good um but i'm kind of new to era to be honest which mm-hmm. is strange it's just one of those bands yeah. that slipped through the cracks i did listen to a bit of texas in july whenever i was a kid though and i know jt from that band that mm-hmm. was his old band um, so, but, and I knew that they, I think Texas in July was kind of a Christian band, if I'm not mistaken from back in the day. Um, I think, I don't know, or at least some of the members were outspoken, I'm not entirely sure, but I was just wondering, cause I didn't know, I know Furnace Fest features a lot of them, but it also featured a lot of tooth and nail solid state bands. So, but, uh, but yeah, we're playing with them. I'm excited cause they're another Alabama band. Um, mm-hmm. a lot of people don't know that there's like, yeah. there's like uh, Gideon and era. Uh-huh. Like when it comes to like the big names where everyone knows and yeah. even, you know, Gideon, I don't know, maybe they put Alabama on their t-shirts or whatever. Like, but like most bands are just like, Shh, 
if you're not from California or <laughs> or Ohio, right? You don't put it on your merchandise, you know. But <laughs> people are weird, weird when they hear our music and see our stuff. They're like, "Where are you from?" Like Alabama. They're yeah. like, "What?" <laughs> like that's the weirdest thing. But like, yeah, we. But Alabama was like a big part of uh, of uh, of the of that early scene of the underground Christian music scene um, yeah. because of like. Um, uh, I mean, this is where this is where Chad Johnson was back in the day, and this is where a lot of stuff got started. But it's not that those bands were from here; it's right. just that there are a lot of, I'd say, roots here in yeah. Alabama. But, but a, a lot, lot of the bands come from like North Carolina right. and other places where there was like a much bigger scene. I just said Ohio, of course, California. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's a lot of bands from Florida too, but people, even though we're like literally under Alabama and Florida, Florida right? are touching people. Yeah, under us from Florida, a data remembers from Florida, Wage Wars from Florida. Yeah. I could go on and on and on. Yeah. But people, including people from Alabama, like Alabama and Florida are touching, but it feels like they're on the other side of the world. Like the culture yeah. is very different because there's just like every kind of person you can imagine in Florida. And so it's such a melting pot <laughs> yeah, it's true. Of, 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 of a state. It's I almost love, a different country. Yeah, I, exactly. I love Florida. I absolutely love it. Um, yeah. And I love playing there. But yeah, we're playing in Florida with ERA. And then uh, the, the Devil Wars Prada, man. That is that is huge. I actually forgot to mention them earlier. They're also a massive, a massive influence. But mm -hmm. maybe I didn't mention them because like they're still such a massive influence. Like Under Oath is too, but like some of the other bands I mentioned are uh, you know, like I still absolutely love them, but obviously my music doesn't sound anything like them. Sure. But yeah, these days like we're really influenced by like Wage War and Spirit Box and mm -hmm. Silent Planet Architects and, and uh, the Devil Wars Prada plays things like that. So yeah, we're opening for uh, some childhood heroes, so that's going to be really, really cool. That's fun, man. Yeah, that's so cool. Well, congratulations, bud, for real. Congratulations on um, you know the the success that you guys are having right now, and uh, the level where you are right now, where things are taking off, and uh, the new music that you've been putting together, and all the stuff that's on the horizon for you guys. It's so cool, and I'm yeah, just man, I'm thanks. pumped for you guys. I appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, well, I appreciate you, man. Thanks for coming out here. I've really enjoyed reconnecting with you for sure. All the technical difficulties and everything, um, even that, it was fun. We Just, got it uh, working. <laughs> we got it working, though. So Yeah, it worked out. Next time, we'll know. Next time, we'll know. Next time, we know exactly what to do. That's yep. true. I just had deja vu, like for a while it just kept it just kept going that, that I, ever happened to you here before where it's like, like i know this and then it just yeah. keeps happening yeah that's the weirdest feeling ever yeah. that's crazy <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah brother well well thank you man uh where tell just um where can people go to check out some music or to check out some other stuff uh, where would you point people yeah uh, you know the name of the band is after dusk so we're on uh spotify apple music pretty much anywhere that you listen to your music uh you can stream our stuff uh, we're on Instagram. I believe it's uh, After Dusk Band is the name of it. It should okay. pop up. Um, but yeah, we're pretty much everywhere. You type in After Dusk Band, you're probably going to find us. Okay. And the what? Uh, did you say this? The, I believe the website is AfterDuskBand.com. Uh, After right? Dusk Music. Oh, After Dusk Music. Yep. Thank After you. AfterDuskMusic.com. Yep. You can find our, <laughs> our music videos on, on YouTube or on the website. We have merchandise for sale. So uh, yeah, whatever, whatever, wherever you want to find us. Yeah. Check it out. Check it out. I think this is the first time we've looked at the camera. Probably. What up? <laughs> uh, I keep looking at the TV screen, but this is not the Yeah, uh, we've got that thing up the there. Um, but thank you guys for checking out this uh, interview with Matt Boykin. Am I pronouncing that last name correctly? Yeah. I, I assumed it was like it. Yeah. I don't know if I've ever said your last name out loud before. Probably uh, not. It's, it's an ugly last name, so most people don't. <laughs> <laughs> I love my family, but 
Boykin. Boykin. Boy, I'm from the South, that's Boykin. for sure. <laughs> Do you know what the the etymology or the origination of that last name is? I feel like I've looked it up before, but I don't remember, to right. be completely honest. All right. but you know, I'll tell you this. I am loosely, and it's not blood, it is through marriage, but I am related to Rascal Flats, which is right. the, the uh, singer Gary, because he married my, uh, my mother's cousin. Oh, sweet. So it's fairly close, but I was like, that's cool. Yeah. I couldn't be related to like, uh, I don't know, like someone in Slayer or something. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's like, uh, I want to put some pressure on that relationship. They're right, in the music right, industry, right, right, right. But it'd be better if they were connected yeah. more to this. Maybe scene. it's better that I'm not, though. Yeah. You know, it'd be annoying. But. <laughs> well, good deal, man. Uh, thanks for, uh, you know, wearing the uniform yeah, today. Yeah. This is pretty much, I get picked on for like this being all I wear. Like yeah. that in band shirts. I almost wore an Under Oath shirt, but it's like, oh man, I'm probably going to talk about Under Oath here. I don't want to look like that much of a dweeb. <laughs> I got to stop wearing band shirts. That's and like where like, you wear the, the shirt of the band that you're going to see. Right. I don't care. It People, that bothers people. I don't care at all. Right. I, I think I it's know. fine. I'm a nerd. Like, I feel like I, I could just like interesting factoid about this band while I adjust my <laughs> invisible glasses. Hey, I could do that all day. Like. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, good deal. Well, everybody, thank you guys for checking out this episode. Really, really appreciate you guys. Hope you got something out of it. Uh, if you did, if you consider subscribing, sharing, or leaving a review, that would mean the world to me. And uh, Matt, thank you again, brother. Really appreciate yeah, man, you. Thanks for having me on, dude. Yeah, man. Good luck with everything.